you know, we're constantly thinking about how our end users are actually going to utilize this, where they're going to utilize this, are they going to be listening in their commute? Um, so we design our, our content to be the right length for the commute. Um, and we think of our, you know, videos slightly differently when they're targeted towards a medical student versus an attending physician. Um, and so, you know, we're pretty thoughtful, you know, from designing the content to the delivery of it as well. So welcome to the Harvard Macy Institute podcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and in this episode, we're going to go meta on the concepts of digital presence and particularly how we do podcasting. Now, the context for this episode and this conversation is that this was actually recorded at the Transforming Your Teaching for the Virtual Environment program that was run virtually uh, this year, 2021 and was led by the magnificent Tracy Walbrink, Alyssa Hall, and a great team. Now, we recorded this during one of the sessions where we were focused on how do you establish and impress with your digital presence, and also what do you leave behind as your digital footprint, whether that's on social media or other platforms. So we did a podcast within the teaching session, and that's what I'm going to play for you now. And to kick off, I start by interviewing Tracy in a podcast format about the digital presence of herself and that of Open Pediatrics, which is the platform that uh, she is the director for over in Boston, which has been around for a number of years and which has set many of the standards, I would say, for how we think about the delivery of online content. Of course, all of this is very much front of mind uh, in 2020, 2021, when so much of our teaching and learning has gone online and virtual. So I am going to, well, sort of hand over to myself now, uh, interviewing Tracy Walbrink about digital presence. So welcome to the Harvard Macy Institute podcast. I'm Victoria Brazel. I'm your host. And tonight we're going to be talking about digital presence. And it's one of those things that we kind of know when it's great. We try and curate our own, sometimes with more or less success. And we're going to be asking one of the uh, real leaders in this world of digital presence, uh, and that is Tracy Walbrink. Uh, she works at Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, but more importantly to her comments today, she's the uh, director of Open Pediatrics, which is a long-time online uh, place where people learn all about pediatrics. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you very much, Vic. Great to be here. Excellent. Well, let's get right into it here. Let's talk about digital presence. And I want you to think about your own for me. Uh, is your digital presence, do you think it's, how much is it by accident and how much is it by design? It's a great question. Um, I wish it were more by accident, but um, but in fact, it is pretty thought out. You know, most of my digital presence focuses on open pediatrics and less of my personal um, self. And so, you know, we really think very deeply about what is what is the persona of open pediatrics and how do we want to present that? And so we're pretty thoughtful in terms of trying to meet our mission, which is creating community and uh, creating a sense of trusted resources. So how do we present ourselves as being highly professional and trustworthy. And so everything that we do, you know, gets the same kind of rigor as our content, even within our digital presence. Wow. Okay. And there's a lot in what you've just said there, Tracy. So just let's go a little bit deeper because you're talking about we, uh, which means you're th thinking about now a collective digital presence. Um, did you want to speak to that a little bit? Who is this we and uh, how do you manage to create a collective presence? 
Thank you for that. Yes. You know, I, I believe, um, in the team approach. So at Open Pediatrics, we are a team. Every bit of our content, every bit of our presence is supported by every single member of our team. So we call ourselves we because neither none of us can do it alone. And um, our social media actually incorporates a lot of different people. So we have a social media strategist who actually thinks about um, when, when to post, how to post, what should we be doing? And then we have a bunch of people that are suggesting various content elements, um, things that are in the media that might be relevant. How do we um, also establish our presence with others? So, um, you know, retweeting or sharing other things that are relevant. And so we, we come at it with a, a whole different uh, sense of approach in terms of the months that we might be in and what awareness months there might be, mm-hmm. what we're trying to highlight in terms of our new features, um, and then our own offerings, what are coming up on a regular scheduled series. So we've got a, a set schedule and then we sort of kind of go on the fly a little bit of what's happening um, in the rest of the world as well. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like you need to have a pretty good understanding of your audience, doesn't it? Which might surprise people because I think there's this impression that you push your digital presence at people, whereas I think what you're saying is you're quite mindful. You're not just looking for traffic here. This is about audience and community. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the key words that we're curating, the ways that we're, we're sort of um, expressing ourselves, are really thinking about our end user. Are we talking about medical students? So we actually use different platforms to target different audiences. We use Instagram for our medical student audience mostly. We use Twitter mostly for our more senior healthcare professionals. And then Facebook a little bit for the middle and YouTube kind of for all, including non-healthcare professionals as well. So we think about what is our audience and what do we want to feature on each of those channels? Yeah. And and this sort of comes back to that, uh, I think it's Hyatt's model about you've got your home base, which is your website essentially, but it sounds like you've got these uh, embassies and outposts where you're creating the conversations on the social media platforms, but you've also got content that is more static on other places that you're connected with. Again, is that, um, how intentional is that, or is it just very responsive to what's happening? I would say that that's very intentional as well. So we think about what goes on every single platform and how we're going to utilize that. Um, You know, so we would utilize Facebook very differently than we utilize our podcasting or Instagram. And so, you know, we're constantly thinking about how our end users are actually going to utilize this, where they're going to utilize this. Are they going to be listening in their commute? Um, So we design our our content to be the right length for the commute. Um, And we think of our, you know, videos slightly differently when they're targeted towards a medical student versus an attending physician. Um, And so, you know, we're pretty thoughtful, you know, from designing the content to the delivery of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Tracy, you've really spoken about that as the digital presence or identity of open pediatrics, but I want to ask now about the digital presence of Tracy Welbrink. How do you sort of meld or distinguish those two things? uh, And how important is that in terms of your career? It's an excellent point. And, you know, I kind of see the two, at least for me, being quite intertwined, um, given, you know, most of my presence online is related to open pediatrics. And, you know, I will say the nice thing about it is that people will find some of the way some of the videos, for example, where I'm talking about open pediatrics and recognize me and then invite me as a speaker to come and talk. So it's because of open pediatrics. And so they're in, you know, intermingled, but I tend to promote open pediatrics. I'm not a great self promoter. So I promote open pediatrics as a way to hopefully, you know, get myself connected and and share some of the work that we're doing. 
Mm. And I imagine that's partly because you are a healthcare professional and so your digital presence isn't about selling product. Uh, there's a reason why Tim Ferriss is different to you uh, because you've got different things for sale, as it were. Is that fair to say? You can be a little bit more reticent as a uh, you know, well-established uh, career academic and clinician. Is that fair? Yeah, I would think that that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, very short podcast today, Tracy, but thanks so much for your time. It's been really illuminating. And I just, just to recap on that, really just thinking about being intentional with our digital presence, uh, thinking about those different platforms. But I think the overwhelming thing that you've really reminded us about tonight uh, is about being aware of your audience and thinking about how we're connecting with them, not just pushing stuff at them. So thanks again for your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Vic. All right, we're open to tumultuous applause now. Feel free to give those as if you were sitting in on the light. Thank you. That's what we wanted to see. I'm watching a lot of clapping here, Tracy. (laughs) So plenty of food for thought there. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, What we did then still during the session was turned this around and uh, I got a little bit of my own interviewing back uh, as Tracy talked to me a little bit more of a deep dive into what's behind podcasting, but I think this is actually relevant to any online educational session that we're running, in particular where we might be using interviews or indeed any kind of interactivity. So here's Tracy now asking me a few very good questions. All right, well, let's flip it round now. Did you want to um, come back at me and we can now, we don't normally do this, so just so people know, uh, if I were recording a podcast, I would now take that away and do a little bit of editing and put together. But I don't know that I would be sitting here thinking that's going to be good, that's going to be easy to edit because we've done a nice, tight little conversation. Uh, But yeah, maybe you can give some reflections and, and thoughts back at me, Tracy. Yeah, I would love to sort of pick your brain a little bit about how you intentionally Um, try to connect with your audience? What are some of the strategies that you use to make yourself more personable and um, sort of really make those connections? Mm, And you're talking particularly when I'm doing podcasting. When you're podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think some of it is uh, sounding enthusiastic. And Mm -hmm. I think that is for every platform that you've got. I think a little bit of it is uh, trying to create little touch points that you think the listeners might have. So sometimes that's people. So for the Harvard Macy Institute podcast, if I mention Liz Armstrong, that is a touch point we have. Uh, If I mention the rotunda, that's a touch point that people might have. So I think you do try and find things that you think will be familiar to your audience. Uh, As I said, whether that's people, agendas or other things. Uh, But I think the other way of connecting is by definitely having a bunch of things that are sort of questions for people and getting them to think. I do have a li- almost a verbal tick of rephrasing and recapping, but I like to think that that's still broad enough that people have got their own reflections rather than having told them what to think. Yeah. And now kind of reflecting on that a little bit, you know, you mentioned list of questions. I'm curious, how much time do you spend preparing for these and what do you prepare ahead of time versus what kind of flows naturally and how do you sort of balance that? Yeah, it's a good question, Tracy. And I think sometimes it depends a little bit on the guest on the topic. So some things I know heaps about, and that's a really easy conversation to have. 
sometimes I always insist, in fact, that the guests send me something or some idea about what it is that we're going to be talking about. So yesterday I was lucky enough to talk with uh, Lisa Jane and Jennifer Mecca from uh, Buffalo and about their new curricula change. And, you know, I know a little bit about curriculum, so it wasn't hard, but I'd also read some media stuff about their work and that really provided a bit of a structure as to how we could go through the reasons for the change, the pedagogical things, the learning spaces, the uh, stakeholder consultation and just the change management theories. So that all felt pretty familiar. So it was an easy thing to record. Whereas sometimes if I'm uh, interviewing a simulation person about a technique or modality, I don't know much about, I'm a little bit more do my homework. That makes sense. That's great. And so knowing your material and sort of doing some of that prep work, but I'm wondering what also, because I think one of the things that I, I really appreciate about your podcast is that you're able to sort of take it in a different direction and sort of change subjects in a way that feels incredibly natural. And I'm curious, you know, how, how do you do those, those transitions, that sort of natural, um, good conversational flow? Um, what are some strategies that you might be able to offer to, the, to this group about that? Yeah, I do think we made reference to the improv before, but really improv, the whole point of that sort of training is about active listening, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times in conversations we are listening to respond rather than listening to understand. And I think if we can just take a minute and think, what's this person actually saying? And that's probably just as interesting as the next question I was going to ask. And it often gives a great opportunity. And so we actually, I actually did that there. I wasn't going to pursue that question about audience, but you really brought it up and it was obviously important to what you had to say. So I thought, let's just uh, double click on that. Mm -hmm. Some people would say, let's, let's go a little bit deeper because in fact, this is a good point to make. So I think it's good to have a foundation of what's in scope, but to be flexible and to really listen to what people have got to say. And I think that goes for whether it's a panel or podcast, anything that's synchronous. Uh, But I think it's also relevant for our online classrooms. We do need to have some structure, but if our learners are going in a different direction, really be open to that. Yeah, that's great. Um, Last question. Um, because I know we're running, we're short on time. Uh, we w- or wanted to make this short. I'm curious, what are some of the things that make yourself sound so good and look good? Because obviously, you know, there are a lot of there's a lot of work that's out there that talks about how good of quality do you need to have. But I think sounding really professional is something that sets you apart from a lot of other podcasts out there. So, so how how do you balance that? And and you know, what are what are you the things that are going through your mind as you're thinking about your setup for sound and sort of visual appeal? Mm. Well, the first thing to say is there's a massive gap between audio only and video, yeah. uh, which is why all my podcasts are audio only. Uh, <laughs> it re- to do good video is there's a huge depth of professional expertise that I do not have. Sure, I've got some nice lights here and a reasonable camera and I can sit myself down. That's where most of us are at, I think. Uh, in terms of, but I think for both of these modalities, whether it's audio and video, there is a little bit of an 80-20 rule here. With very little effort, you can get up to the 80% level. Mm-hmm. Just paying some attention to detail, getting yourself off mute. Uh, you know, the, the low hanging fruit uh, is really helpful. But then the next 20% is hard. Uh, on the audio thing, uh, as you can see, I've got a, a nice little microphone. And more importantly, I use it the way it's meant to be used, which is actually up pretty close to your mouth. Like if you actually look at radio people, this is where they talk. They don't have their microphone over here. Pointless. Uh, it actually does need to be there. Uh, I I have taken voice lessons and continue to take some voice lessons that I think just helps you become a little bit more aware. Uh, I 
listen to myself on the podcast. That's always awful. But I think it gives you an idea about when you're doing things and when you edit yourself uh, and you can see the little fillers that you've got as part of your audio track, that's also very sobering. And I have got better at removing the fillers as a result. Wonderful. I think those are amazing strategies. And if I can kind of summarize, I think, you know, a lot of important points you mentioned, making sure that you're really listening and not just reacting and that you do a lot of prep work ahead of time. You prepare, you think about some questions, but you're also not afraid to kind of improv and go where the audience is taking you, but making sure you get all your points taken back and sort of think about some of these really important ways to get to that 80%, get yourself a good audio quality, you know, maybe it's a camera or whatever you're going to be doing, but think about um, enough technology that really makes yourself sound good so that you're not um, sad when you're looking at your, your edited version of yourself and, and listen back, reflect on yourself and continuous professional development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh- So hopefully that's been a useful reflection on some of the issues related to how we establish, maintain and promote ourselves in an online world and a little bit about how we might think about the methods by which we connect with each other online. Uh, If you want to find out more about this, obviously check out the Harvard Macy Institute website and look out for the next iteration of the Transforming Your Teaching for the Virtual Environment and indeed all of the material coming out from the Harvard Macy Institute. Uh, But for now, that's Victoria Brazel signing off for the Harvard Macy Institute podcast. Mm -hmm.